Hey everyone, Maddie here, alongside Zach, who's been playing Frogwares The Sinking City. You may recognize that name from the most recent Sherlock Holmes games, but Sinking City is a bit of a different project for the studio. Zach, can you give us a top-level view of what this game is and what makes it so different from the last few Frogwares games? Hey Maddie, yeah, I've been playing a lot of The Sinking City. Uh, it is a game all about being a detective in a Lovecraft world. Uh, but what makes this game so different from Sherlock Holmes is that this is a true open world. You can go wherever you want within the space. There's almost no gating from the get-go. You can really go and explore. But it's also, you know, the first time that studio has done an open world. And so some of the polish you might see from Ubisoft or Rockstar really isn't present here. Uh, but for a double-A game, it's, it's really ambitious, and I like what I've played so far. But so, I guess to give you a top level of what this game is, you play as Charles Reed, a private eye who goes to Oakmont, Massachusetts, after having a lot of visions that are plaguing him. Once you get to the city, you realize that other people are having the same problems as you, and you realize you are not having any sort of mental breakdown. There is something going on in Massachusetts that's causing this kind of mass hysteria. So, you're there solving cases, but you're also trying to understand what's been kind of plaguing you. Uh, so yeah, you and I were both looking forward to this game a lot. Um, in one one night late October of last year, uh, when we were playing Call of Cthulhu by Cyanide Studios, um, which is a game that started really promising, I think, for us, um, and then just kind of devolved into just not great gameplay-wise, not great gameplay-wise, and also, yeah, m using a lot of Lovecraft tropes just to use Lovecraft tropes, while at the same time ignoring a lot of the baggage that comes with using both Lovecraft as an author and those stories and the subtext they carry. So how has The Sinking City kind of either gone against that or has it fallen into the same trap for you? So I have not finished the game. It, it feels meaty. I've probably put 10 to 12 hours in already. Uh, and it doesn't feel like I'm nearing a conclusion yet, so that's a good sign for people who like content. Uh, I would also say so far it feels like it's decidedly a better game than Call of Cthulhu. Uh, it's it's not super comparable in, in terms of, of the general gameplay loop. This, this open world structure really amplifies... Uh, player control, uh, and there's also combat here, which uh, was very limited in Call of Cthulhu. Um, but it's it's a much better game, thankfully, for people who felt a little bit burned by Call of Cthulhu. Um, interestingly enough, uh, for people who, who might not be aware, Frogwares was originally involved in Call of Cthulhu's development before it was handed off to Cyanide Studios, and that game was published under Focus Home Interactive. This game is entirely Frogwares, uh, and it is published by Big Ben. So it's kind of an interesting thing. This this studio has a really strong attraction to this this genre and and Lovecraft broadly. Uh, but this is definitely a new take for them. And thankfully, on their second time around, Frogwares feels like they have a better understanding of Lovecraft, and they also uh, take some big swings to address. Uh, some of the racist themes that are often common in in Lovecraft's work sometimes hitting the ball out of the park, other times kind of stumbling and, and not quite saying uh, everything you need to in 2019 to uh, not make your game feel a little bit icky sometimes. Right, yeah. One of our big problems with Call of Cthulhu, I remember, was it acted like Lovecraft's um, incredibly racist tendencies uh, were just kind of not a, not a thing they acted like. Um, whereas this game, uh, let me read the opening title screen. Um, it says, inspired by the works of H.P. Lovecraft, The Sinking City depicts an era in which ethnic, racial, and other minorities were frequently mistreated by society. These prejudices were and still are strong, are wrong, but have been included for an authentic depiction of that time rather than pretend they never existed. 
So right off the bat, they're clearly just addressing that stuff right up front. So how have you felt the story has done um, in addressing that? I know you've, it sounds like they're doing it well-intentioned, but possibly yeah. stumbling. I mean, it's it's complicated, right? So, so that thing kind of prepared me for a game similar to Mafia 3, which had a lot of racism in it. Uh, instead, the game kind of takes... Uh, you know, typical racial stereotypes and then applies them to fictional uh, classes and races within the city. So it's interesting, right? So there, there are, you know, the, the cast and, and characters are actually relatively diverse. Uh, you know, there's, there's people from all races uh, and several different religions are depicted, um, different body types. Like, there's actually great diversity in the types of humans you see. There's, there are, you know, interracial couples. There are gay couples. There's all sorts of really good progressive ideas here at play. Uh, but interestingly, instead of having common components to the game, they just have classes. So, for example, uh, there's a refugee, uh, lower socioeconomic class in the game called the Innsmouthers. Uh, they are people who look like fish. They're like fish humanoids. Uh, and they're a very proud people. They're really proud of their heritage. Um and they're also called filthy refugees or filthy migrants. Uh, and your character, which is something I actually appreciate, your character will call people out uh, and, and try to stop them. A lot of games that feature racism kind of just has your character take it in and doesn't really fight back. So it feels good to have a character that, that questions that. Um, but then on the other side of that, what feels more problematic to me uh, is there is a class in the game uh, called Frogmortons. The Throgmortons play a, they are wealthy, they're a wealthy family in the town, uh, and their father uh, mated with a literal ape during an expedition in Africa, and as a result, everyone in that lineage has typical ape-like features, and uh, as a result, there's a lot of weird things that people say, like people, you know, use terms like ape lovers, and so it just has these weird parallels where they're trying to show how wrong racism is, but also to use a parallel, uh, any any sort of racial parallel to monkeys just feels really loaded and wrong. And even by making them the wealthy upper class in the society, it still feels like they're playing with some really, really dangerous words here. And I think Frogwares is well-intentioned in what they're doing, uh, but it also feels like they're playing with fire. And it just feels really, really uncomfortable uh, when you hear phrases thrown around uh that have real world implications and i don't mind real world implications but like if you're going to have racial prejudice that mirrors how blacks were treated in america then maybe you should feature how blacks were treated in america and not use this this kind of other race as a scapegoat uh to to kind of get away from it the game wasn't comfortable using the racism that existed in in the 1930s 40s and 50s about about uh, you know, immigrants from Asia or black folks or Jews. And so they created parallels in their world. And then they used some of the same language that people would use around those other, you know, real world counterparts. And it just, it feels like they're only half committing to it. Right. Um, rather, rather than address it head on, like as address it with the people groups that it affected, they offload it onto like allegorical fictional creatures and, I think that's a tightrope act that, like, is you can fall off of real easily. Um, and like, there's you know, well, maybe they'll subvert it later in the game, but like, it's I don't know. It's really I feel like it's really hard to do that when you're just kind of like using one to one the oppression that people faced and just like 
oh, but they're fish people. Oh, but they're this, they're that. Like, yeah. Right. If you were going to use made-up fictional races to depict racism that happened in the 1930s and 40s, I think that you need to be very deliberate about what you do and don't do. And it just feels like they knew using real oppressed races from that era would make people really uncomfortable, so they went with this alternative. But going right to monkeys just feels really, really uncomfortable because of the language that's thrown around. Um, it 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 just doesn't stick the landing for me. And, it, and honestly, every time there is uh, what is meant to be a slur uh, is, is just uncomfortable. Hopefully yeah, I that mean, it, turns around by the end of the game and they Hopefully, they but do it, I mean like it feels like they're swinging big and like I do appreciate that your character is willing to confront prejudice in the game. Uh but it it feels weird um nonetheless that like they're only half committing to addressing racism here. And and like there's one really particularly good line in the game where where your character Charles Reed uh says to a character who's really prejudiced, um are you really surprised when these desperate uh, refugees become radicalized when you treat them like others when they're here. They're people who need help, and you turn them away, and then you're surprised when they're radicalized. And and how how would that surprise you? It's, it sounds like their heart's in the right place. Which their heart's in the right place, but I mean they're just they're just um, you know they're playing with fire, and and it it doesn't it doesn't always work for me. It feels kind of gross sometimes. Uh, so yeah, since last week I have been playing another detective game. Um judgment from the developers of the yakuza games which takes place in the same city as the yakuza games um and from what you've described of um what's the name of the city eastmont oakmount oakmount um it sounds like it has kind of a similar um i don't want to say budget because that word's very loaded but like a small open world uh that you can kind of like come to know um and what i found in judgment and the yakuza games it's like it gives the world so much more character it being kind of tighter and smaller and it feels like that place is alive and like has a personality beyond just a place that you run around in in say an assassin's creed game or something um so how have you been finding the open world of the sinking city is it kind of like what i described with the yakuza games where like it feels like a real place that you inhabit um that you can kind of learn and connect with yeah, it definitely feels really comparable to the Yakuza games. It's not a big open world. You will not find anything on par with Red Dead Redemption or Ubisoft game here in terms of size and scope. It's a very, very small open world. Um, but I think that was the right choice for Frogwares. Like I said, this is their first time doing an open world, and so I'm, you know, giving credit where it's due. They keep things scaled uh, in a in a way that feels appropriate for their budget. Uh, and I would also say that there are so there are about like six or seven different districts in the city. And within those districts, uh, you will find different types of houses and also different NPCs wandering around. So you can kind of feel the different ways that a city is formed and how the different boroughs kind of come in and make one oak mount. Uh, it, it feels distinct. And interestingly, because the city is under a flood state, a lot of the roads are washed out and you'll have to use your boat to navigate around certain parts of the city, which is really, really interesting. Um, I also want to take a chance here to, to kind of talk about how that feeds into the actual gameplay. Uh, so as a detective game, you are given cases or clues, and in doing so, this game's new take is that it will kind of, it won't tell you exactly where to go, which is kind of taking a cue from what we've expected from, you know, the Assassin's Creed games in the last few years. It'll never say go to place X, but what it will say is, we know this person had this occupation. 
we know roughly what district of town they work in, and we know their last name, but I don't know where they live. And so you have to take that information and go to a place, in this case, a city hall. And then you will cross-reference those things at the city hall, and it will tell you a more specific address. And you can use your map to, to narrow down the street names, and then you kind of wander in that direction until you find it. So you're, you're really doing the detective work of you know a name, but you don't really have much more to go on, and so you, have to, you kind of have to work to figure that out, um, which feels good. Uh, it is a little bit repetitive. There are several different places you can go to kind of learn more about the, your subject. You can go to a hospital. You can go to the city hall. You can go to the newspaper. Uh, there are all sorts of different places where you can go to kind of narrow down your subject and find clues uh, and also learn more about the city around you. I would say more than the Sherlock Holmes games, this has a really, really strong sense of place. And Oakmount feels like a lot of those cities on that East Coast. It feels really old, which is good. It, they, they did a really good job developing it and making it feel like it, it could be a real place. That's awesome. It sounds like the the detective theme isn't just like a narrative device. It actually feeds into like how you engage with that world. Um, exactly. Which is a very interesting idea. Uh, and another thing that um, kind of feeds into that too is you've been talking a lot about uh, to me about choices um, which is something that uh, Call of Cthulhu last year had but it ultimately didn't go anywhere those choices meant absolutely nothing in the end um, but it sounds like the choices in this game feel like they are choices that uh, have effects yeah they absolutely have uh, effects here they feel heavy um, and, and I would say that more than a lot of games at this scale, the choices feel gray. No matter what you do, you're never going to feel great about it because everything, all of your choices are compromised, which feels good, right? Like one of the problems with old school Bioware games is that it was very obvious uh, what the Paragon and what the Renegade options were in those games. Here, it feels like you're choosing between two less bad options, which feels good. I mean, like there are there are moments in the game where you have to sit and you look at your notes and you have to weigh a decision that's not going to make everybody happy. You have to think, what's better for my character? What's better for this character? But then what's also going to impact the way this city is functioning? So everything feels really weighty. Um, but also, as you solve cases, you can come to different conclusions. So you can you get a whole bunch of different clues. And one thing I just wanted to quickly mention, as you collect clues, you kind of put them together in your head. And in the menu, the section where you're putting your clues together is called the Mind Palace, <laughs> which, sure, feels good. Excellent. Uh, and in the mind palace, you put together clues, and then those clues can kind of form into a web, and then at those, at the end of that web, it will ask you to make different choices along the way. Like, is this character acting in, in good faith, trying to do the best thing for the city, or are they doing it for personal gain? And then based on that decision, it will feed into how you interact with the rest of the world. Uh, there are things, for example, where um, you know a faction is trying to manipulate a leader in the city and you have to basically hedge your bets and guess do you think that that person who they're trying to manipulate is strong enough to withhold them or do you think that they're going to cave under the pressure and that they will be manipulated and based on that decision how will you react in in your subsequent decision so it, it feels like there's this cascading effect where i you know i haven't seen how the game ends but it feels like I'm making really hard choices mm -hmm. and that no one will be totally happy at the end. Um, Which is I mean, it, perfect for a like a Lovecraft story because... Yeah, right. Those, like, there are no happy yeah. endings. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it feels it feels really good and, and more so than Sherlock Holmes where like, 
I guess what feels good here, right, compared to Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes is a game that exists in an established world, and we know that Sherlock Holmes is a type of character, and so when you play that game, you cannot help but feel compelled to act the way you think Sherlock Holmes would react. Mm -hmm. But here you're playing this new character, this fictional character, Charles Reed. Charles Reed is new to you. You don't know if he is a CD private eye who's just trying to get as much money as he can. And by the way, just a quick aside again, it has one of my favorite mechanics in games like the Metro series. Your bullets are also bullets, but they're also a form of currency, which is just great. I love that shit. So as Charles Reed, you aren't sure how you should handle things and and you can play it however you want. You don't feel compelled to act like like how Sherlock Holmes would would act. Mm-hmm. You can decide am I a CD guy who just wants to make as much money as possible? Do I just want to solve what's plaguing my problems? Do I just want to solve the visions I'm having or do I actually care about the people in this city? Yeah, what yeah. you're just what you're describing reminds me of um Vampire from last year which published by Focus which is a publisher that we've like kind of you and I have said like this feels like a Focus home game. Um, which is good for the yes. record. Like we think that is a good thing. Um, yeah. I mean, big, big Ben and focus home have a lot of parallels. They both, they mm-hmm. both swing big and they have a lot of, you know, they, they fund a lot of games that swing big and, and kind of work within these smaller budgets. I would say that this feels really on par with vampire in terms of its world size. Um, but also how it treats combat. So there is combat in this game, uh, much more than you would expect in those Sherlock games. Um, you know, there's, there's left trigger aim down sights with your gun. Uh, there's a, there's a really physical feeling they try to sell you on with the combat too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one of the things they tell you right away and they say it repeatedly is guns will not reload themselves. When you run out of ammo, you have to press a button for your character to reload the next round. Um, or, or you're going to be in a pinch. Uh, and so by the way, enemy types in this game, there, there are, you know, thugs and fishermen and cultists, but there's also like creatures, um, and so there's, there's some diverse combat, um, going on too, and it feels like combat is interwoven really well with the world where there are districts of the city that are overrun with these monsters that you want to avoid, or you can go in there and look for good crafting mechanics because there's crafting in this game. Um, and you can try to clear districts and kind of get the infection out of that part of the city. Um, I mean, so I don't know, there, there's a lot of really good parallels to vampire in terms of both combat and then size and scale of the world and also the decisions you make within it. So that, yeah, that's a world really good reactivity comparison. and everything. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we've been talking, talking about uh, Charles Reed um, and from what you've described, he sounds kind of like a commander shepherd type of like, he can be good. He can be bad. He can be whatever you want him to be, but also he has a set character and uh, kind of, tone to him um how have you found him to be yeah so i really like the character charles reed is a, is a good character and and like i said he does he does whatever you want you don't feel like you need to play a certain type of character for him um but i think what works so well is he does have like this pretty campy like the game i think the game knows pretty well that it's working within the boundaries that it that it's set by its budget and so like your character does kind of have like this corny, gruff detective voice, but he also has like a really exhausted tone no matter what decision you're making. And so like, it's just kind of this really charming thing where like every time he has to deal with some bullshit and you as you as a player are like, Oh my God, like this task is a pain in the ass. Like the character knows too. And it, it just feels like the, the voice work being done here is, is really, really good. Uh, you can tell you're playing as a character who's like exhausted and strung out and has had headaches for a really long time because he keeps having nightmares about, uh, you know, Cthulhu-like creatures. Um, but no, the, the character is really good. Uh, he 
he can be really short with people, but also there are times when you want to be soft with some of the downtrodden folks of Oakmount. And his delivery there is good and genuine. Uh, and, and one of the things that um, I think I really like is that the characters feel like they're placed in Massachusetts. Not only Charles Reed, but the characters around you in the world. But nobody quite falls into parody territory like we saw a lot with Call of Cthulhu. Right. It feels like there's a lot of genuine uh, representation uh, in terms of like what that regional accent might sound like. Um, but also... Really quickly, speaking of regional, one of the really cool things here that kind of feeds into the world building is that throughout the city, there are all sorts of symbols painted on buildings and doors uh, across town that the locals use to communicate things about what's happening in that area. So there will be a symbol that means there might be good uh, loot here for people in need, or this house is a home for thieves, or stay out, or there's monsters here, which is really, really cool. Uh, it's a good way, obviously, for the player. It's a good signifier for you to know, you know, like, for example, if there's an important, um, you know, like, on a block of streets, if there's a building you can go in, it'll have a symbol on the front, which is a good signifier for the player, kind of like white ledges in Tomb Raider games, right? Mm-hmm. Um but also, it does this really good thing selling you on the believability of, of what's happening in front of you. And it like I, this feels like it, it's not just a tribute to Lovecraft. It is a tribute to Lovecraftian horror. So it feels like they know where to be critical and where to think hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes through into its world design, which is something I, I really appreciate. Um, obviously, like I mentioned before, it does stumble in parts with, its, with the way it depicts race. But um, it is clear that they are... They're well-intentioned, even if they don't always uh, stick that landing. Right, yeah, it sounds like they understand Lovecraft on a level that a lot of people don't. Whereas for a lot of people, it's just, you know, an aesthetic. Tentacles and slimy monsters and stuff. Right. Okay. Uh, So yeah, we've been doing a lot of talking about the story, the characters. Um, On just like a broad level, how is the writing in the game? Uh, I would say the writing is pretty strong uh, especially for like core story stuff it feels pretty good and the interactions you have are, are pretty uh, they don't feel stiff and they like I said like a lot of this feels like it's operating on a really good B movie like it knows what it is it knows that this stuff is inherently a little bit silly but it's delivered with an authenticity that still helps sell it in a way where like it's not so self-serious but it also isn't laughing at itself constantly like it which really works with some of its themes um the writing is strong and i think um part of what's hard about making a game where you're detective compared to like a movie where you're detective um is that it's really hard to maintain a sense of conspiracy and a sense of it goes deeper because it's not a 2 hour experience mm-hmm. it's a 15 or 20 or 25 hour experience they do a really good job selling you on what your revelations are about what's happening truly in Oakmount and it it doesn't feel like I'm being dragged along even though I'm 12 hours into a conspiracy theory story and also I I like the characters I like the people I interact with um, it's cool to see a, a decent amount of diversity on screen. It's cool to see, um, you know, people in wheelchairs having prominent roles in this game who aren't depicted as weak, who are depicted as powerful, interesting people. Um, I, I think that the character writing is strong. The world building is good. Um, I, I think it's a well-written game. Probably my favorite uh, writing from Frogwares. 
And also, I think that I think that's a high praise for them, right? They were working with Sherlock before, and like Sherlock is a well-established character who it's easy to like because he's written in such a way where people want to like him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really hard to make a, a a whole new world and still create a compelling world for them to play in and characters to, to act as. Um, it's it's Frogwares' best work in terms of writing. Wow, that sounds really good. And so you're playing on PC. Um, yep. And you've told me that you're having some technical issues. Uh, well, less technical issues and more just performance is not across the board what you would like it to be. So, yeah, performance is not quite what I expected. Uh, it's a little bit below. So I play on my PC on a 1080 Ti with a Ryzen 2600. Um, and my performance is quite a bit lower than what you might expect. Um, I'm running at highest settings, 1440p, and I'm seeing some dips below 60 FPS, uh, which to some people might not seem like a big deal, but uh, on a 1080 Ti that can run, uh, for example, Battlefield 5 at, at 60 frames per second, 4K, um, these kind of dips are a little bit surprising. Uh, the game is certainly playable. Uh, I, I don't know how the console ports are, but on PC it's certainly playable. You might just have to lower specs a little bit more than than you might uh, anticipate. Mm-hmm. But generally, it's it's okay. It's perfectly playable. It's just, you know, Maddie. I think that performance here is just another example of um, the constraints of working a small team, uh, working within its budget to optimize a pretty big, ambitious game. And let's keep in mind. They're optimizing an open world, and it's the first open world they've ever built. Right. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm going to give them some credit. It, you know, it's it's fucking hard to make video games. I know I'm, like, kind of gushing about this game, but it, <laughs> it's just... I mean, I have a special place in my heart for, for these double-A ambitious games. Oh, right? definitely, I love yeah. Focus Home. I like a lot of what Big Ben is doing. Um, so seeing Big Ben do similar work to Focus Home and seeing Frogwares... In an era where we see AAA studios kind of flounder at times... It feels really good to see AA studios swing big in their budget and and mostly stick the landing. Right. Um, I, I really, really, if you liked L.A. Noir, if you like games like Vampire, uh, if you like the Sherlock Holmes game, like this is this is exactly your shit. Yeah, on so many levels, it sounds like personally exactly what I need right now. Uh, I've been yes. into a ton of you know mid tier AA games, which. Uh, you know, mid-tier sounds like a loaded phrase, but like I, I honestly think that there's, there's so much room for developers like that to kind of like explore when they don't have when they're not constrained by like triple the expectations of a triple A budget. Um, and it right. sounds like Frogwares kind mostly stuck the landing here. Right, and and again, I do not want to give them an excuse for some of the the big misses in mm-hmm. terms of how it depicts race in this game. I don't want to give them a free pass, but also I do not think that we would see a AAA studio um, owned by Ubisoft or EA even touch anything remotely paralleling race um, was, in, in 2019. I was going to say, looking at you, Ubisoft. <laughs> yeah, who says we don't make political games. This game is political, and I think it's well-intentioned. It just doesn't stick its landing always. This is the perfect summer game in terms of what you you know you expect. It's a smaller it's a smaller experience, but still not short. Smaller doesn't mean short. Smaller just means that it's it's got some constraints that you might not see from a big studio. Yeah, I, I mean I'm I'm really really fond of it. Um, obviously we are not done yet. Maddie, are you planning on picking it up? Um, I have the Necronomicon edition pre-ordered, which um, that edition unlocks 48 hours early. So yeah, I I went ahead and paid extra money for early access. <laughs> now we just now. Now we just sound like we're ads. I know. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> I should be able to no. play it at midnight tonight. 
Cool, um, cool, cool. So, I mean, and like, and I think that uh, we are maybe going to have another discussion. I know a couple other people from SEGC are going to be playing the game, mm-hmm. so um, maybe there will be an opportunity for us to do a little bit more coverage uh, a little bit later uh, on this month. Yeah, um, I would but, but, like yeah. to follow up on this because it, it sounds like you are deep in the game, but there is still more for you to see. Um, and I'm curious how, by the end of that game, your opinion has changed. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And that does it for our discussion of The Sinking City. Uh, the game's out on June 27th on PC, PS4, uh, and Xbox One. You can find Zach on Twitter at BearClawGaming, um, and I'm at Maddie underscore Gregoire. And then you can keep up with SDGC on Twitter at OfficialSDGC. Thanks. See you next time.